From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, January 31st. In a packed room in Moab late fall, folks mingled over vegetarian chili and baked goods. One of them is butternut squash and corn. Nancy Anderson, volunteer with the Moab Abortion and Reproductive Rights Network, also known as MARN. It's a group of locals aiming to make reproductive care more accessible in Grand County. At this dinner and silent auction, the group raised $2,500 for the Utah Abortion Fund, which supports people seeking safe abortion care. There's no abortion services in Moab proper, but we really want to be kind of a channel or a catalyst for people to access those resources. Faith Dickey is one of the administrators of MARN. MARN is definitely a place to connect people to resources that already exist, but also we have information for people locally. The group popped up shortly after the Dobbs Supreme Court decision this summer, which removed the constitutional right to an abortion. Dickey says since then, the political winds are well blowing. As the access to abortion continues to change and the legalities around it continue to change, I think we're on in a really strange era politically where it's really hard to say what will happen in Utah. Abortion is still legal in Utah at the moment, but we don't know when that'll change. It could change soon. Utah legislators are moving a resolution through the state house that aims to end a hold on their abortion trigger law. It's the latest move in the political chess game on abortion. Ever since, you know, June 24th, when the decision came down, the Dobbs decision came down, it has been a real ride between keeping up to speed, all our staff up to speed with the changes. Annabelle Scheinberg with Planned Parenthood of Utah. Once abortion was no longer federally protected, here in Utah, a state law banning abortion, except in a few cases, was triggered into effect. But Planned Parenthood of Utah filed a lawsuit, eventually resulting in a preliminary injunction, a hold, so to speak, on the abortion ban. So there were about three days where the state of Utah was making people's reproductive health decisions, um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But by Monday afternoon, we had made some progress with the temporary restraining order. And then on July 11th, we're able to secure the preliminary injunction. So abortion up to 18 weeks of pregnancy is still legal in Utah. But this resolution moving through the state house right now, it could retroactively eliminate a judge's ability to grant a preliminary injunction unless the case has, quote, a substantial likelihood of success. Representative Brady Brammer, sponsor of this resolution. This is a small adjustment to a hinge. Every bill that the legislature passes can be blocked if this hinge is not operating correctly. Injunctions are are an extraordinary and drastic remedy and should not be lightly granted. In a memo obtained by the Salt Lake Tribune, the Utah State Bar outlined their opposition to Brammer's resolution. They're concerned about how it could impact cases and courts in the state overall. Representative Andrew Stoddard. Uh, I I see this resolution, honestly, as a flex of the legislature's power, uh, and it comes at the expense of an independent judiciary, and I fear that. I think this bill is being rushed through, and I fear that it might have long effects. Despite these concerns, the resolution moved favorably out of the House along party lines last week. It will be debated in the Senate soon. Meanwhile, the fight for accessible reproductive care is ongoing. It's sad that it has to be a people-to-people effort, um, 
to get such essential care. Scheinberg again. She says even when the right to an abortion was federally protected, depending on your zip code, like rural Utah, you might not have easy access to it. So it doesn't surprise me that folks are sort of doing mutual aid efforts and thinking of other ways to support each other as a community. I just want to really stress, too, that, like, I think there's a lot of people in this community who have major barriers to accessing reproductive care. Dickie again, speaking to me back at the fundraiser this fall. The Moab Abortion and Reproductive Rights Network does have a list of resources that can help connect people to care. We're all just community members who came together and decided to do this and create this. And we really want to publicize our existence so that people know there's somebody they can turn to locally. Marn plans to hold several events this year, including another fundraiser for abortion access. Find links to more information in the show notes. Two days after Utah banned transgender minors from accessing hormone therapy or gender affirmation surgery, the ACLU of Utah says it plans to sue the state. Caroline Ballard with our partners at KUER reports. The ACLU is joining with the National Center for Lesbian Rights to challenge the law. Aaron Welcher is the group's communications director. Trans kids are kids, and they deserve to grow up without constant political tax on their lives and health care. When the legislature passed the ban, lawmakers from both parties said they expected lawsuits. This will be the second ongoing lawsuit from the ACLU challenging the state over trans rights. Another law to ban trans girls from school sports enacted after last year's legislative session is still caught up in the courts. Caroline Ballard, KUER News. This report is from our partners at KUER. Some of the best snow in the nation right now is in our region. It's covering the Grand Mesa outside of Grand Junction, Colorado. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Lisa Young spoke with one business owner and avid snowmobiler about the recent snow conditions on the world's largest flat-top mountain. Some of the best snow in the nation is right in our backyard, according to Spencer Christensen, owner of Grand Mesa Lodge. The snow right now on the Grand Mesa is probably the best snow in the entire nation. While the lodge owner admits he's a bit biased, he says he's talked to folks from all over the country, including snow lovers in Michigan, Wisconsin, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and even Canada. If you look online, Facebook forums, everybody's talking about the snow, specifically not just in Colorado, but specifically on the Grand Mesa. Christensen says the snow began in November and just keeps coming. We've had storm after storm come and hit us. And for some reason, the way the weather patterns right now, not only are the storms hitting Colorado, but they've just, it seems like they can't miss the Grand Mesa. Um, our settled snow depth right now is about 10 feet. And it's crazy because I've, I've lived in this part of Colorado for almost 15 years, and I've never seen this much snow. Even at the end, at the very end of really good snow years, I don't think I've ever seen this much snow. And we're here we are in the middle of January. With that kind of snow, there's plenty of winter recreation taking place on the Mesa, including snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, ice fishing, and for snowmobiling. The snow cannot be better up here. It's really, really, really good. When you've got 10 feet of snow, 
99% of all the things that could break your sled are buried. The lodge owner says snowmobilers can pretty much go anywhere on the mesa because of the deep snow base. When it comes to the avalanche danger on the mountain, Christensen says... We've got pretty good snowpack. We had early snow in November, and then we went a couple weeks where we didn't get snow. And that snow that was on the ground, it turned to facets, which is basically like this crystallized snow that doesn't adhere well to the layer above it. And it creates this really weak layer. The thing is, though, that layer is really, really deep at this point. And so it would take a lot to cause the rest of the other 9 or 10 feet of snowpack above it to slide not to say it can't happen, but it's not very likely. Still, caution is warranted for all level of snowmobilers. Avalanches are always a risk. There's always a possibility that you could create a slide. So the first thing is if you don't have avalanche training, if you don't have gear, if you, don't have, if you haven't been trained on how to read a slope, how to look for signs of weakness in the, in the snowpack, then I would highly recommend that you just stay off any slopes that are more than 30 degrees. Four individuals have died in Colorado avalanches in the 2022-23 season, including two snowmobilers earlier this month at Pump House Lake, southwest of Rollins Pass. For KVNF and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lisa Young. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, January 31st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.